This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. All right, let's talk about the Browns and Bengals. They'll go toe-to-toe at 1 o'clock on Sunday in Cincinnati. Daryl, the Browns have had great success against, <laughs> against the Cincinnati team and Joe Burrow. They've won eight of the last nine against Cincinnati. And after watching them against Kansas City last week, it's like, Kansas City has Cincinnati's number, but the Browns definitely have the Bengals' number. What do you would think the key to success is against the Bengals? I have no idea. <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. I go back to the the '90s when the then Indians dominated the AL Central, but the one team they could never beat was the horrifically awful Kansas City Royals. Like every every time they played the Royals, the, the Royals would beat them. It, it sports is bizarre. You see that kind of stuff all the time. And it just feels like that the Bengals are the one team the Browns are capable of beating uh, with regularity. And frankly, they have, it, it was kind of funny though. So Joe Burrow is and four against the Browns, right, Andy? And, but his numbers aren't terrible. Number one. And number two, nobody in Berea wants to say that they're in Joe Burrow's head or that they have the Bengals number, even though the results tell a completely different story it's just it's funny watching guys squirm trying not to provide any type of bulletin board material whatsoever uh when they're you know asked uh, you know certain questions about having success against burrow and the bengals but yeah i mean sports is a weird thing You, you know really good teams can struggle against the worst of the worst and beat everybody else and the worst of the worst can beat the best and every once in a while and not be able to beat anyone else so just uh, for whatever reason the browns seem to be burrow and the bengals kryptonite i don't understand it either it's just so it's weird but i also think browns fans uh will find themselves in a bizarre dynamic on sunday because if Deshaun Watson looks like he looked last week against Houston, you know Browns fans in the back of their mind are going to go, man, Jacoby Brissett played great against Cincinnati. Do we want to win this game or what? You know, or or what? And is it worth it just to kind of say, you know what, let's put Deshaun aside for a week and let him get his reps, and if it didn't work out, are we going to do a little bit of a hole? Can we go to the bullpen? Can we do that? Can we go to Jacoby because we know he's had success? I think that, and I think normally, and I said this on our show, that I, I think it's weird that quarterback is the one position that we won't walk away from if they're having failure. Like wide receivers not playing well. Ah, next man up, next man up. DB struggling. You know they're having a bad game. You'll put another DB. But at quarterback, we never do that. Now I I got 230 million reasons why the Browns won't switch out and go to another quarterback named Jacoby Brissett on Sunday. But I do think at some point during the game, Browns fans are going to ask themselves if Deshaun is struggling. 
And again, I say, and you've said it's to be expected. I mean, we're talking about a second game in two years that you're going to say to yourself, why don't they just put Jacoby Brissett in, man? He looks so good against these guys. And I think that sometimes logic and rationale um, won't prevail in this scenario. I mean, do you do you see that at all, Daryl, or am I just out of, absolutely out of my mind? I'm with you, but Kevin Stefanski's made it clear Deshaun's their quarterback. They are not going to make a move. He was asked that very question specifically. If Deshaun is struggling Sunday, will you go to the bench uh, to try and win the game? And Stefanski flat out said no. Deshaun is the quarterback. And this, it's not, I kind of feel like we're in 2016-17 mode right now with this team. Yes, they're, in air quotes, trying to win the game. But at the same time, they're also looking to get Deshaun Watson his reps and get him back to being the player that he that they gave $230 million uh, to and gave up six draft picks, including three first-rounders, to acquire from Houston. So I, I'm with you uh, because if they win Sunday, I'm going to do this. If they win Sunday, oh my God! Hang on a second. Hang on, hang on. I just want to. I want to relax. I need to <laughs> let me get. Let me get some my inner peace. Mm, he's gonna say it. I can't believe he's not gonna do. It. He's gonna do this. He's gonna, mm. I'm gonna do this without using the p word. So. Oh, oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> say, say I ain't going that far. If they win Sunday, they get to six and seven, and it sets up a showdown with the Ravens the following Saturday. Um. And then the conversation can get real. If they lose, season's over. But we can say that about each of the final five games. And to, like they have one more loss. That's it. They If they lose one more game, they're done. And it's got to be against one of the NFC teams. They can't lose to the yeah. AFC North. They have to – their only AFC opponents remaining are against the AFC North, and they have to sweep. Right now, they are three and six against the conference. If they sweep out within the division, they'll finish six and six. And guess what? That's still not going to be good enough to guarantee them a playoff spot only if they're tied with a divisional foe because head-to-head -head is the first tiebreaker. Well, the Browns lost a lot of head-to-head -head matchups. And again, a 500 conference record is not going to be good enough to win them tiebreakers to get uh, a, a wild card spot. So I don't know this off the top of my head, Daryl. Is it against the AFC North first, or is it against the AFC? Well, it, it well if the first tiebreaker is head to head, then it's conference. Okay, so, conference. But you gotcha. look at, you look at who the Browns have. They've lost to the Bills. They've lost to the Ravens. They've lost uh, to the Dolphins. They've lost to the Jets. Those four teams that I mentioned. All, if the playoffs began today, are in. They also lost to the Patriots. They also lost to the Chargers. Both of those teams currently sit in front of the Browns on the bubble as far as contention goes. So that's why I'm not going to use the P word until they get back to 500 because the, the there are just way too many roadblocks that they created for themselves. But again, it... it a win in Cincinnati Sunday is somewhat a, of a game changer because that'd be three wins in a row, right? Um, they'd three be three and one against the AFC North head to head. Yep, three and one against the the North, and then also now a game below five hundred 
and you creep up into a, let's let's see uh i don't uh, i think the raiders the raiders are playing the rams this week so uh, thursday night and by the way i oh, will bring this up later yeah, that, guess who could be playing i know that's a coin flip there the chargers have the dolphins this week the patriots have the cardinals so depending on outcomes of some games by the end of the weekend the browns could be in the eighth position if the well, no, they won't be because they don't have the tiebreaker uh, to the Patriots. So the highest the Browns will be is in the actually, actually it'd be the 10th spot. They can only go at one spot because they lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Patriots. So if those teams both lose and go to six and seven and the Browns win to get to six and seven, the only team they potentially could leapfrog would be uh, would be the Raiders. So again, that just. Hopefully people kind of understand it's it's so not let's talk about the I'm gonna jump to it right now because think about the irony in that game that if Baker Mayfield or they're staying they might even rush him out on the field for the Rams for this week. Could you imagine if Baker beats the Raiders and oh. then that game becomes a game that gets the Browns into the playoffs? I know you <laughs> won't say that word. I mean that that would be uh that's the yin and yang opposite of uh the loss to the Jets that is completely haunting them all the way and, through this and, thing and the, the baker bros will rejoice like you can't believe if that were to happen well the could fact you that imagine that man that would be bizarre what if baker finds a home in la like i feel like la fits his personality it does so but like i mean what if like Sean McVay just finds a way to like make it make make something a baker down the stretch here how wild would that be? Daryl, I've got a ton of Baker thoughts on this thing, too. And I, I keep going back to last year that where would we be right now if the, if if the if everyone didn't have to be the smartest person in the room, if Baker didn't have to be the smartest person in the room, if the Browns didn't, I don't know who did it or the doc or whatever, and Baker would have just gone straight to the shelf and had surgery after he ripped his shoulder apart. Probably. Where would we be? Probably still be here, maybe. Hang on. Hold that thought. Let's talk about that when we come back. Hang on. Because this Baker Mayfield uh, story, I think, is super interesting. And, you know, you brought up the break, the Baker bros. But I think this is his last shot. We'll talk about that coming up. It's always game day in Cleveland. Back after this. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Brought to you locally by our friends at Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One. The right choice for your comfort. All right. So let's pick up this conversation where we left off. And let's start here. Are you surprised that the Rams picked up Baker Mayfield? No, because they need a quarterback to get them through the rest of the season. Like they, they, they need a body that you know, Sean McVay was probably going to have to play Thursday night. If they didn't, he's got a couple bullets left in the arm. And that's what I, I, I look at him. I think this guy could still play. <laughs> he's what? Um, he's not that old. Sean's like what? 36 or something like that. Is he even that old? I don't even know. You got me thinking. He's still a pup, but yeah, I, I mean, the, I, I think if it's not this week, I think next week Baker will end up being the Rams starting quarterback for the rest of the year. 36. He's, going, he's going to get a legit shot in LA to play. Right. Right. And I, and obviously I think that was a big reason behind Baker asking for his release with Carolina is he wanted to go somewhere where he would have at least an opportunity to compete uh, and see the field now how good will he ultimately be I don't know you know as far as your earlier question about if he had gone on IR and gotten the shoulder taken care of 
Part of me says he'd still be here, but the other part of me believes that they still would have gone after Deshaun Watson because Andrew Barry has always loved Deshaun Watson. And um, I don't know that Barry was always in on Baker Mayfield like John Dorsey was. Now, right. Barry always towed the company line when obviously Baker was drafted, and even when Baker was here, Barry never said said it said, had a bad word to say about him. But it goes back to the actions speak louder than words, right? I mean, if Barry really liked and respected, and well, I'm sorry, he respects respects him, but really likes him as a player, thought they could build around him as a player. They don't do what they did, right? Actions speak louder than than words here, so. Um, I think that Barry still would have gone after Deshaun Watson, regardless if Baker would have sat out the rest of that season to get his shoulder healed up and and fixed. I, I just because I know Barry just absolutely loves Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. You know, you said something interesting because I, I think, and what I was told is that you know Baker rolled the dice a little bit. He was hoping that he was going to San Francisco. And uh, what was a pro football talk had the quotes from uh, Kyle Shanahan saying that, you know, he didn't say anything. He kind of didn't poo poo the idea of Mayfield coming there, but he didn't embrace it. And as you read it, you were like, uh, read between the lines, baby. He wants nothing to do with him. That's what it, I mean. He look. All right. So. Back in my younger years. I I had a uh, colleague and friend who because I you know I would just basically tell you what was on my mind. I, I did not have a filter. And uh, no, yeah, I know. So years Darryl ago, Ryder didn't came, have a filter. Oh yeah. my! Somebody told me that I needed to learn how to tell people to go fly a kite without actually telling them to go fly a kite. <laughs> and is this so a current member of the media here in town? So? No, no. Oh, okay. This is years. This is like 20 years ago, 20, 23 years ago. Okay. So you were like 15. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Um, so basically, Shanahan told Baker Mayfield to go fly a kite without telling Baker Mayfield to actually go fly a kite. He basically said, You know what's funny? And I don't know if anybody thought about this during the week. Seattle did the exact same thing. Yeah. Like there's an art form to do that. There's a way to come off as like you're complimentary, you feign your interest, but you really have no interest. And, but you just don't want to tell anyone you have no interest. And, that, and that's what Shanahan did. Like I read what he said. And I was like, he wants nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. There is no chance he ends up with the 49ers. Guess what? 49ers never placed the claim on him. So uh, he's, he's with the Rams. Uh, he'll be down there uh, in LA. We'll see. You know, I, I am kind of curious to see what he's able to do. Uh, unlike some Browns fans, like I'm not rooting for the guy's failure or demise or anything like that. No. Um, I, uh, I, I said this on your show. Um, I, I think that he deserves respect from Browns fans. He's he is now an answer to a trivia question. The last Browns quarterback to lead this team to its best season in a quarter century in a playoff win is Baker Mayfield. So um, he's not a complete bust. Has he lived up to the expectation of being the number one overall draft pick? Absolutely not. Of course not. But he's not a complete bust because he has had some success it's just it's it it feels like his career is is winding down it feels like it's on the back nine 
and he's going to be running out of chances. He's on really five. young to be on the back nine, though. I, I, know, I just unless he's willing. That's to the crazy part. Up. I mean, he's still in his first contract. I unless he's willing to be a backup, Andy, which that's not his makeup. That's not his personality. No. I think his only chance to continue to start in this league is if he goes to a crappy team and is like a placeholder type of quarterback, but then he's, he's going to be unhappy and unfulfilled professionally because the team's going to suck and they're not going to win. Right. He, that, so he's in a tough spot in his career, just because I, 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 I have a pretty good sense of how he's built between the ears. I just, it, it's going to be real tough on him. And, and from that aspect, professionally, I feel for the guy because so, he wants to win. He wants to compete. He's just not going to have much opportunity. To so do here's the part about him that, like, I think that with McVay or even with Shanahan would have worked. And I thought that he proved it after Freddie Kitchens. You know, with Freddie, it was the wild, wild west, and he kept throwing interceptions, and he caught, kept thinking he he was bigger than a quarterback that could live to see another down. He had to make it on that play. And then Kevin, excuse me, Kevin came in. And I really thought Baker changed his game up way more discipline, threw the ball away when he needed to. Oh, because they had and, a coach that was way more disciplined. Sorry. Right. And so that, you know, the year they go to the playoffs and they win, that was the Baker Mayfield. I think we all were like, wow, all right, here we go. We get we got our guy. Comes back the next year, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Stop. You're you've gone away from everything that you guys did last year. Yeah. And then he got hurt and he kept trying to do way too much again. And that's the bothersome part. I hope here's what I hope. That that's how I describe him is he's his own worst enemy. That's fair. But in this scenario, if McVeigh gives him the opportunity to do it, he's got to be more disciplined than I think he's ever been in his entire career. 100% can't can't afford to be the gunslinger. Yeah, he's got he he is he has a, millions on the line. Right, he millions to, on the line just to be disciplined. That's all. Has to reestablish himself. So, are we done talking about Baker now? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I still think there's Browns fans. I, I I just I don't wish him ill will. I just I, I don't either, and I don't understand the group that that does. Um, and I'm not saying like I'm the the president of the Baker Bros either, but it's like I just. It is what it is. Like he, he, I, I equate it to what the Chargers did with Goff and Stafford. Right, Goff got him to the Super Bowl, and they still got rid of his ass. Do you think Stafford's done? Do you think he's going to retire? Jeff made a really good if, case for him to retire. If his I wife were, doesn't want him to play anymore, you if know, I were him, all kinds I would. Of issues. he has nothing. To, he's got his ring. You want the ring? You know yeah. what I'm saying? You went through all those years of trials and tribulations with the Lions, which, let's be honest about it, like Cleveland, Detroit is football, Siberia. Sure. And, uh, like, he has nothing left to prove. He's made his money, made a lot of it, and he won a Super Bowl. I, I mean, if I were him, I wouldn't think twice about it. I really wouldn't. But, look, it's easy for me to sit here and say, yeah, go ahead and retire. But... I, I know how a lot of these guys are built and giving up the game is extremely difficult. And I think it's, and it's, it's every pro and, game. And, no and, one wants, no one wants to leave the line. And it's going to be tough for Baker whenever that day comes from Baker, whether it's at the end of this season or three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the road, like father time is always undefeated. Right. Yep. And at some point, you know, you're not going to be able to uh, play the game anymore. And that's, 
for competitors, that's the toughest thing on them is to give up the game that they have played since they were a little kid. Much more to come on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. We'll talk about a little bit of Bengals smack that the Browns haven't forgot about, so we're going to bring that up next. And uh, also want to talk about one of the unsung heroes of this team who's really made a name for himself uh, with three initials. We'll do that when we come back here. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We want to be a part of the show. It's so simple. It's so easy, especially excuse me, when we do our mailbag segment coming up here uh, in the next couple of weeks. If you want to get a hold of us, hit us up on social media, on Instagram, or on Twitter at GameDayCLE. Daryl, let, let's talk a little bit about this rivalry be, between the Bengals and the Browns, because let's face it, the way the Browns have played against the Bengals, this really is our rival. And these games have been competitive. The Browns had their biggest win of the season. They've been able to beat the Bengals. And while I, I know we always want to say it's Pittsburgh, it's Pittsburgh, it's Pittsburgh, there's enough there to say that I, I think the best rivalry we have right now is Cincinnati because what the Browns have won five straight against them, correct? Is that right? Five? That's five. the only reason, because they're the team the Browns can beat. They can't beat the Steelers, they can't beat the Ravens, but they can beat the Bengals. So, yeah, so yeah from that standpoint, okay. Um, and there's a lot on the line here, too. Uh, Cincinnati is trying to solidify their standing within the division and overtake the Ravens, which I think ultimately they will do, and get themselves back in position to make another run uh, at the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, the Browns, they're trying to get their franchise quarterback on track. They're trying to keep the season on life support and give their fans what they've given fans since 1999, and that is nothing but a bunch of hot air and false hope. And um, so, yeah, I, it, it is a rival only because it's like the only two games a year where you're like remotely confident the Browns are going to win. So let, here's the other thing, too. Jamar Chase didn't play in that game, and you go back to the Kansas City game. Man, I think he is, you know, the play he made in the fourth quarter to stretch out and get the first game, first down, and make that thing end and to give Cincinnati the win over Kansas City, I thought was gigantic. And I also think him not playing against the Browns was a gigantic factor in the Browns being able to win. It's, is he Joe Burrow's whoopee cushion or whoopee blanket? Not whoopee cushion. That'd be bad, <laughs> wouldn't it? If he sat on him and then everybody started laughing because we thought he passed win, no. Whoopee, he gives whoopee blanket. Ass. <laughs> whoopee blanket. So, um, you know, so – I. I, I'm, I'm concerned about Chase. I'm are we, we going to have after the podcast? What was this? <laughs> the post-game podcast. How many Jamar Chase steps on the gas? <laughs> oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Man, he was faster than the wind. He was breaking Joe through Burrow, the wind. Joe Burrow throwing heaters to Jamar Chase. No beans about it. He had the fuel to get down that field. Got a little extra boost there, a little extra rocket fuel. <laughs> Man, he just wants to hit the bubble bath, the hot tub after the game. Hit the nitro boosters. <laughs> All right, that one's on me. Listen, how much of a difference is he going to make in this game? Because, that, yeah, I mean, he, I thought he was huge, and I do think that's Joe Burrow's go-to guy. I think we all know that. He really is. And what's – the Bengals are not shy about tra talking trash because they – Let's be honest about it. They 
put up, right? They back it up. The Browns won't say a word about anybody. Like, I mean this with love, but this is the most boring locker room I have covered in years. Why? Why is it? Why is this locker room so bad? Because of the head coach? No. Boring does not mean bad. Okay. Okay. There, it's just it's it's a boring group, in the sense that nobody says anything. Nobody, nobody wants to make a headline. Nobody wants to provide any type of bulletin board material. The closest we got on on uh, Wednesday was John Johnson admitting that they're walking around the building joking about what Jamar Chase said on that podcast about them not being elite in the secondary other than, you know, Denzel Ward. Like, that's as close as they get. Um, that could be the best rip, though, to get this team motivated for this week. They should be motivated by paycheck alone, yeah. but, but like, I think it's a big deal for this week. Yeah, I mean, the biggest personalities I would say would be on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Nick Chubb never says a word. Amari Cooper is the same exact way. They they do their talking with their play. So when I say it's a boring team, that doesn't mean that I'm, like, ripping on them or I'm saying it's a bad locker room. They're all great guys to talk to. They just – they don't say a lot, Um, which – as somebody who admits that he makes his living off uh, quotes and headlines, it makes things challenging sometimes. Um, and, and they're, but they're, here's the thing too. They're incredibly smart. They know when we're fishing and they just throw it right back at us. They're like, Nope, ain't getting me today, pal. Take it back. Um, so while the Bengals aren't afraid to say whatever's on their mind and trash talk, the Browns don't do trash talk through the media now have heard from various members of the brown secondary that the bengals are very chatty and they've admitted they themselves can be very chatty when they're on the field and as denzel ward said they haven't said a lot i'm paraphrasing here but they don't tend to talk too much during our games because we usually have the upper hand so there's no reason for them to talk and again that's as close to anything trash talky is the is the Browns would get? You know, they acknowledge Joe Burrow's among the NFL elite quarterbacks. He's tough to shut down. Jamar Chase, my God, he 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 scares you when you watch him on film because he can take a five yard slant, sixty six yards to the house, and like really make you look stupid while doing so, because um, he has that kind of talent. Uh, Burrow can arrow it, air it out. I really don't even think that there's a lead that's safe because Cincinnati's offense is so prolific. Um, you know, but th- these two teams have remember the shootout game between Burrow and Baker, how much fun that was, uh, that the you know, Browns won that one in the, in the final minute. Uh, but yeah, they've played some, some pretty entertaining football between these two teams and hopefully Sunday's game doesn't disappoint. And it is, uh, is entertaining, but there is, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not a locker room. That's going to give you a lot in the, in the way of like, uh, a good headline or a, a, a great quote because they do not want to ruffle any feathers. And I think the other part of it too, is they realize they're five and seven, like they probably shouldn't be doing a lot of talking. So, but that locker room definitely takes after their head coach. There is no question about it that Kevin Stefanski's persona of focused on the moment one day at a time, you know, things like that, like that locker room is very reflective of Kevin Stefanski. So when people say like they don't respond to Kevin Stefanski, like, no, they do. Because <laughs> they 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 sound like Kevin Stefanski every single day when we talk to them. 
Darrell, what's the biggest thing biggest thing we learned about Deshaun Watson in the first game? I don't think we learned anything about Deshaun really? Watson in that first game. Hmm. I, I I mean, he was terrible. Like there, I I don't uh, that he's rusty. I would say that's what we learned. He's rusty, and he it may take him a while to get back, if at all. Um, and I don't even want to think about the latter. I don't even want to think. Yeah, about the if that. at all, I don't like hearing that. I'll be the, the investment there is like, wow, we can't. We can't oh, I don't, I'm not ready to go there yet. And again, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that because I think that that's what's going to happen, or I'm rooting for that to happen. I, I'm just kind of keeping it real. Like it, it's right. not guaranteed, right? I, it's no. not guaranteed that he's going to just magically return to this All Pro Pro Bowl form. Um, that's that's the reality. Hopefully he does, and hopefully it's this week against Cincinnati. But I, I, look, I'm not I'm not confident in him right now. In the sense that I just I don't expect that he's gonna win a shootout with Joe Burrow right now. Next year, yeah, absolutely. Next year, totally expect him to win a shootout with Joe Burrow next year, because I think that's a fair expectation. Like, sure. I just I'm tempering my expectations right now because. I realize what they're paying him. I realize what they gave up to get him, but I'm trying to be fair to the guy and and understand where what he's coming off of, right? That that time off and that. So you almost equate it to like he's coming off an injury. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no. Here's my last point, though, too, just going into this week's game, that we have seen the defense emerge over the last two games. Now, I granted, last game was Houston, so I don't know how much I'm taking consideration. But, you know, we've, we've seen the special teams sort of percolate a little bit, and having Donovan Peoples-Jones run back kicks has made a big difference. Uh, he is averaging, I believe it's 14.8 per return. Uh, let me look here. Helps if I look at the right set of stats. I'm right, 14.8 per return. Uh, he's only had 13 of them, too, and a, a touchdown. Uh, Demetric Felton was averaging a whopping six yards a return, and uh, Rodgers was averaging four and a half per punt return. Yeah, he has injected some much-needed life into the uh, the punt return game. Jerome Ford has really injected some life into the kickoff return game. So, so it's funny. I asked Kevin Stefanski on Monday – if he feels any like sense of validation, because we're all like fire Mike Prefer and he's got to go. This you know special teams is terrible. They can't get a return to save their life. Now they're starting to get some returns. So I asked Kevin Stefanski if he feels some validation for being very patient, and you know that patience paying off. And he's like, no, I'm not looking for your validation. How about just I, like I wish he would just pat his guys on the back every once in a while, right? How hard would that be? Say, yeah. Or just say, yeah, you're the idiot that wanted me to fire Mike Prefer. Look what we're doing now, you dumbass. But it's not even that. Like, I listen to Kevin, and I want Kevin just to once say, you know what? Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL. And that guy, man, he he is just such a pro's pro. And, he, you know, he hands the ball back to the referee. He just wants to win. He makes smart plays. It's, It's really a pleasure to watch him play. Why is it so hard for him to just give guys a little bit of credit? And I don't know. Maybe he does behind closed doors and says. He, he does. He gives him credit. He just, the way in which he gives him credit, there's not a lot of meat to it. To your point. Is Nick Chubb, like, is Nick Chubb the best running back in the NFL? 
You do that so well. Oh, that's because Menegan does it every day. You know, we're proud of all of our running backs in the running back room. They do such a great job. Um, you know, and so I can't really single out one guy. You know, I, I, it just drives me nuts. Look, I'm not asking him to criticize. And I'm not asking him to criticize. I'm asking him to praise. So it's not even that. It's to validate, I think, what the fans see in his team. Because at the end of the day, they're still selling tickets. That's how they all get paid. I just want to – it drives you nuts. Try being me. Try being us in the room. <laughs> I mean, just give your guys a – Yeah, you know, Cade York, he's a rookie. That game winner. And we just beat Carolina. I will say this. I'm starting to understand what it was like to cover Bill Belichick with the Browns. The thing about Bill, though, is every once in a while, Bill would give you something. And you'd be like, holy, was that Bill? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I did a sit down with him after he had uh, gone to New England. I think that was our first couple of years that they were playing in the Hall of Fame game. And one-on-one, like maybe one of my favorite interviews of all time, gave us all kinds of information, talked about what happened in Cleveland, talked about everything that had gone down and you know, how he was there and, and, and all that stuff and what Cleveland kind of meant to him and playing here and having the opportunity to do all it. And it was just, it was, it was totally different. And then, you know, along the way, you're Greg Popovich, you're Bill Belichick, you keep winning. It doesn't matter what you say in these press conferences. You keep letting fans print t-shirts that say world champions on them. They don't give a, you know what about what you say. All right, here's one for you. Okay. Does Bill Belichick win another Super Bowl with the Patriots? I Man, I think if he if he's around for two or three more years, yes, I think he has a chance to win another one. He'll figure it out. Guy's smart, man. It's still, I mean, he's, he's record without Tom Brady. It's not very good. Yeah, but I think if he finds someone that can give him what he wants, that's Brady like. Again, right. there's a big part of me that you know believes he made Tom Brady. Tom, Tom had to take advantage of the opportunity and make himself after a while. But in the beginning. Man, I thought it was all Bill. I, I have to tell you, you know what my favorite part of watching Tampa Bay Buccaneers games now are? Tom Brady. Well, I thought last week was pretty awesome. Tom Brady's sideline meltdowns are like a work of art. They really are. And no, thank you. I didn't think that was very awesome. Thank you very much. Why, who'd they beat? I can't remember. I knew, and the sad thing is, like, I knew that was going to, as soon as Ingram failed to get that first down, and they punted, I knew that they were screwed. <laughs> you know, when the Patriots punted with, what, eight, seven minutes to go in the game? I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Why are they doing this? And then, next thing you know, a couple three and outs, boom, game winner. Do you realize that's the latest Tom Brady's ever thrown a touchdown pass? Thanks, yes. Three seconds. Yes, I'm, I'm aware. Daryl, I think with this, I leave it. I'll leave it at that, and look forward to talking to you after the Cincinnati game in our post-game edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. And uh, I'm sure we will have a comprehensive breakdown or freakout. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's second start as a Cleveland Brown. The world is either going to be coming to an end, or the savior has arrived. So let me give you the the doomsday scenario. 
Baker Wait, Mayfield. My job. <laughs> no, Baker May Baker Mayfield, three, four touchdown passes against Vegas, over 300 yards, no picks. And then uh you can watch on Sunday and Deshaun's throwing, you know, ground balls. Oh. That would be the doomsday scenario. I don't even want I don't, I don't even want to think about, let alone entertain such blasphemy. Sorry, Daryl. All right, for our amazing producer, and she truly is amazing. We appreciate everything she does. Um, and uh I mean, I don't know what more I can say about Meredith. Thank you, Meredith. We appreciate you. Outstanding job uh producing the show. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. Uh, we are back after the game on Sunday. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. If you want to be a part of the show, hit us up on social media at GameDayCLE on Instagram and Twitter. It's always game day in Cleveland.